Hey, everybody. It's great to be back with the episode three of Breaking Glass podcast with Compass Data Centers. And we are introducing the topic of where tech and healthcare meet with LaShonda Anderson-Williams, who is Senior VP of Healthcare and Life Sciences at Salesforce. Hey, LaShonda, how are you doing? Hello, Nancy, and thank you very much for having me. It's an honor and a privilege, and what a great topic um, that we're all living and developing literally real time, where technology is how it's affecting healthcare, and all of us are in this great opportunity uh, to reshape the future, what healthcare is going to be in the future. I'm so I'm super excited about this. You and I had a little pre-conversation, and I know this is going to um, be a very engaging topic. Um, I would love it, though, LaShonda, if you could just give us a nice overview and bio of your career, which is so fascinating, and I think um, our audience would love to learn from that. Of course. Well, a small fun fact is when I graduated uh, high school many, many years ago, I decided I wanted to be a nurse. And the single reason of that de decision was based on the fact that I live in the area of uh, Houston, Texas. Um, I saw an article in the Houston Chronicle back when we used to read the paper uh, that there is a huge sign-on bonus for nurses. So I ended up going to college to be a nurse only to find out that my fear of needles didn't quite well play in the curriculum that would be needed uh, for nurses. And so uh, my counselor guided me to the business school and thankful for that because I ended up graduating with a business degree. But it's really been fascinating that my love and passion for health and that aspect of how to help people and how to really help understand how to improve the lives of others. I went on to work for a technology company um, called IBM way back in the day. And um, that was really the, the start of my career in learning uh, how to bring technology to the forefront of customer conversations and specifically how to help people reach their goals. And so through my time at IBM, almost 10 years, I had the honor to work for many, many great leaders. Um, I worked there and then left uh, to go spend uh, the next 15 years of my career with a company called Microsoft. And it was quite the bit of a transition leaving IBM, who was known for being best in class, and then moving over to Microsoft, who at the time was really moving into a place of wanting to uh, support and really focus on enterprise level customers. And the last three and a half years of my career at Microsoft, uh, I fell in love with the opportunity of healthcare and technology. And so I had the honor of helping be part of a core leadership team to build uh, a vertical focus for Microsoft, which is primarily focused on a lot of products that most of us have known and, and loved. But it really created a conversation for the company to think about how do we, how do we develop purpose, develop purpose driven uh, solutions and really help our organization uh, intersect where tech and health can actually improve the quality of care. But at the end of the day, we wanted to make sure that we had a role in helping save lives. Fast forward to five months ago, I uh, left Microsoft after 15 years and I've since joined Salesforce. And we are at um, a very similar place, but I think a very exciting time. Um, unfortunately, with the pandemic, we saw many of um, our friends and families and those around the world impacted by the pandemic. But at Salesforce, we're really committed to making sure that we're bringing the right solutions and developing capabilities for healthcare providers, uh, including pharmaceutical companies to help bring modern medicine to, to the world with the sole intent of helping save more lives. So it's been a journey from I wanted to be a nurse, didn't really like needles, and now yet um, I fell in love with this idea of tech and healthcare and helping our customers uh, really make a difference in the world globally. 
That that is so fantastic. Um, I and I'm I'm just amazed at um at, at how advanced the technology in healthcare is. Um, but I do I do have to say, Lashonda, I feel like you know the audience probably doesn't know how amazing it is. Like they they maybe aren't understanding you know where we are on the cutting edge and and how technology actually does intersect with healthcare and in particular. You know, due to the increased remote working and and through the pandemic, you know, just really, you know, where where we've um, I I think it's um, accelerated, you know, a lot of the um of the ideas and the innovation and the disruption. And I would just love for you to talk a little bit more about that. I mean, you know, we would not have ever imagined a world, I believe, today, um, of how we're operating, and, and most companies that are even not in the healthcare sector have to think about health, but all of us are working remote. All of us have had to buy new cameras for our computers and new lighting to make sure that we can see each other well. But the same has happened in healthcare. Um, a lot of the employees of those organizations actually went remote. And you still, though, had to require the need for, for healthcare technically in, a, in an office, in a health, hospital system. And the notion of what we've probably considered as possibilities of getting care from home, or now there's a new term called healthcare at home was an idea, not necessarily probably acceptable by most. And now that that has actually become the reality for many people because we ran out of uh, healthcare systems, ran out of beds. They, they ran out of space actually taking patients. So being able to engage with your medical uh, provider, being able to access your medical records, being able to be diagnosed potentially virtually, trusting that diagnosis and being able to be um, engaged with a healthcare system remotely was a was a thing that we probably thought was you know years years from now we'd be accepting and today we're actually experiencing this notion of telehealth or virtual health or healthcare at home and it's proven that the technology has always been available the security of your your patient data or health records are absolutely secure but it is a transition in terms of how we require care and I'd say Nancy it's something that's also generationally I know I can speak for myself and my parents it's a new idea. But the generation of today, the, the folks that are gen, uh, uh, graduating outside of high school or college, this is the norm for them. They've always had a, a computer in their hand. And so getting care virtually or in a telemodel is not such a difficult thing. And it actually increases the speed of care while not necessarily impacting a negative side of quality of care. And that is most fundamentally, I think, important that people can actually get um, serviced, if you will, and get uh, seen by their physician much faster to help them. With, with issues they might have. Yeah, I, when we were talking yesterday, I mean, I this is just mind blowing to me because I hadn't really thought about how normalized this is becoming and in a very accelerated fashion. You know, I'm here um, helping out with my folks and um, my dad's 90. And so far this week, we've had two virtual appointments, one for, you know, his cardio doctor and one with his um, audio doctor. And and it's so cool to see him engage and, and um, understand and learn and the, and the, I don't know, just really the patience everybody has to just really figure stuff out and, and not have to be present because, you know, during COVID, it was very difficult for that to occur. And especially, you know, with, um, you know, someone who's aging, you know, it's hard, it's harder to get around. So I, I just, I was really, really excited to see that. And um, I never thought I'd see, I never thought I'd see my dad engaging with, technology in that manner. So I have another um, question that I know is going to go off onto a whole nother tangent, but 
honestly, I want to know a little bit more about the career planning, you know, and how it's impacted women in the remote remote workforce, um, you know, through this pandemic. Um, you know, it's really like how has that career planning changed in your mind? Yeah, I mean, the fact still stands. Um, most companies would probably um, appreciate and acknowledge that we need to do more for women across um, technology in, in thinking of things in terms of roles around STEM. But we need to improve um, opportunities for all employees, but women specifically have been, continued to be challenged. A lot of women have left the workforce. I mean, you think about, I have the, thankfully, in some case, my kids are older, so when this happened, you know, think about the, the, the mother who might be single or the father in some case, but a mom who is, who is single or a mother who has a job and they have to do school remote. Not every school reopened. Some schools went virtual the entire time. So now you're working from home. Um, you're having to make sure your kid is on a social site or some type of virtual site to get education. And you're responsible for also being physically, potentially in, a, in, in an office if you're a first responder. Um, and so that has actually had a, a huge burden, I think, on women in their careers in trying to balance out being a mom, having a career, and doing it all. And that's been much more challenging than it ever has. And trying to make that trade-off, some people have elected to leave the entire workforce versus try to balance out because it is overwhelming. So I think, you know, that's a decision that many are, are still, in some cases, probably still trying to decide. But being remote in itself, how do you stay engaged with your leadership team? How do you think about career progression in some case? I myself, you know, starting a new company after 15 years with a company and relationships and networks I had, I've never had to onboard remotely. So the other part of that is we also see major shifts that it is a, I think, a talent uh, uh, war today where we've got great talent in the marketplace, especially women um, and, and especially women early in their careers. And they are looking for new roles or looking for new challenges. And a lot of, I think, folks are looking to translate uh, maybe different experiences into new disciplines. And so I think there's an opportunity, but it's also a huge challenge of returning back to the workforce. If you're deciding to exit the workforce or if you're thinking about changing your career in totality. And we saw a lot of that, I, I think, across healthcare and other uh, verticals. It's a huge opportunity, but it has been very, very challenging to navigate in upward mobility um, in traditional models. I think we're seeing a drastic change on what it really takes to get promoted, what it takes to maybe explore diversity of experiences within an organization. But it's an important topic that every company should be thinking about because women um, make up a huge amount of our, our world, but a small amount of the STEM and technical roles across the, the company. And that's an area we must all improve on. Yeah, you know, this, um, so here's, I took away three main things from from what you just said there, LaShonda. And um and and it is there is a huge compelling business case, you know, on top of just the, um, you know, that it's the right thing to do because we do we are missing out on a on a huge amount of talent um, with the the female gender, mainly because you know as as we pointed out there, you've got um, you've got issues like the primary caregivers and how challenging that is when when daycare is you know not open or schools aren't open and it falls on on the women primarily, right, wrong, or indifferent. We also have um, the, uh, you know, the, the fact that, you know, when you're in the workplace, right, it's like you advocate for those you know the best, and it's harder to get to know the folks you're working with if you're in a remote location, and you just mentioned that, you know, with the whole onboarding, it's not not impossible, but a little bit more difficult, right? 
So that face-to-face -face can matter as well. And I also think that I speak a lot about the digital divide. And the digital divide is affects women greatly, especially women, you know, kind of in the, in the middle-aged um, group when it comes to digital literacy and then also access and tools. And I would like to know, like, you know, how you feel the digital transformation has impacted this career planning and, um, and, and all of the topics that we just covered about how it's been a little bit more of a strain, actually quite a bit more of a strain on, on women um, through this pandemic. Yeah, I, I think while it's been challenging, and it and look, I, I think it's going to continue to be a challenge. Um, there's a lot more we have to do, but I also think there's a huge opportunity. And I think companies like Salesforce, um, Microsoft, and others have went on an intense uh, focus on helping bridge the digital awareness and what I call readiness of the future of what technology really is going to be and, and the role it can play. And examples of that is, you know, at Microsoft, we had a huge effort around uh, providing free education, training, and there was a goal, I think, to educate at least 25 million people. Like, there's this huge, uber big goal through LinkedIn. Salesforce has a platform called uh, Trailhead, and it is basically an ecosystem of many, many tools and certifications and trainings that you can do, and some at no cost. And so I think what 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 I would say is, as many of the challenges that you just articulated that we have dealt with and we'll continue to deal with, there's also an opportunity and I think an inflection point for us to spend time um, investing in ourselves and more and more companies are realizing to recruit top talent or recruit diverse talent, you've got to bring, you have to bring something to the table. And a lot of these companies are bringing the opportunity to help educate or retrain um, in these new technical fields and markets. And that's a, an opportunity for us now. If you're looking to look, look, make a change or if you're early on trying to figure out what's new. In tech, there is so much, so many different roles, so many different opportunities, but really key in on this is all about a journey and constantly learning. What we knew 12 months ago has changed. The world as we knew it, you know, 24 months ago has drastically changed. And so I think we're all in the place where we must leverage what's available today, but also invest now for what the future is to come. Yeah, that's very, very well put. Um, you know, I, and I do, I do see it as an opportunity too. Um, even though we've seen the statistics and how, you know, the pandemic has impacted women, I look at this as a shame on us if we don't really take this opportunity and really make a difference, right? So, um, so I, I love, I love getting excited about that. Um, I, I do feel like there are some practices that we could all be doing in the STEM um, industries that could definitely help uh, make us more inclusive and more diverse. I know for. For one, you know, I'm in the construction industry and, um, you know, we're building data centers, right? And, I, and I, I've been looking very hard at incentivizing our contractors and our supply chain to become more diverse um, and really spelling out what that business case looks like and how the impact on, on all, you know, the economic health of, you know, our country and, and the world will increase greatly if you can offer more opportunities to women. And like on the construction side, as an example, you know, let's have some PPE that's made for women. You know, let's make sure that we have facilities that are made for women and that we can welcome them instead of making them feel like they have to fit in to uh, into these roles that, you know, that they're that are different for, for them than everybody else. Um, so we really are looking at ways to incentivize and encourage, um, including things like, you know, doing things in offsite environments that, you know, honestly, both men and women enjoy. Right. And, um, and make the commutes and the days easier for us to be able to provide care for our families, regardless of whether they were a male or female. 
Um, so I, is it, I would love to learn, um, LaShonda, if you have any tips of the trade or practices that you know of from the ginormous firms you've been with um, that could actually help bridge this gap. Yeah, I mean, I think the word I would use, Nancy, and you, you kind of nailed it, it's inclusion. One, um, being inclusive in everything we do. Um, you know, being, there, there's two sides of the coin, one of the other examples you just gave, which is, you know, making sure that everyone's included in, you know, maybe sessions or off-sites or events that we can all sort of come together. In the past, you know, there was this notion of going to happy hour and, you know, if you had a family or if you had some other challenges where you could not participate in the happy hour, potentially at a bar, you would go home. You were invited, but you kind of knew you probably wouldn't make it. And so you kind of went home and you wonder potentially what the conversation was or was there a deal getting done or what was the discussion? Well, now most companies are have really realized the fact that even with the challenge of things like being on a Zoom call or a Google chat or a Teams call, these sessions are even more important. One, because people feel alone. When you're remote, you're not in an office, you're not connected to someone. And so this is a way to bring everyone inclusive, if you will, um, in an environment where we can connect, we can engage, we can collaborate. It's also created a bit of a phenom. And, you know, I don't know about you, but when back in the day when we did go into the office, my kids were younger and I was on a conference call, and I'd be picking them up from school. You know, I'm like, I'm on a call. Don't say anything. And the kids kind of knew I gave them the look. I'm like, no arguing, no pinching each other. Just let me take my call and everyone is silent. Well, now you see kids coming on camera with their with their um, with their uh, moms and dads. You see the pets joining in. They just they don't care that you're on a Zoom call. Um, you know, my mother's coming to the office. I'm, you know, doing something. She's like, hey, I could go out. So I'm like, mom, I'm presenting to a customer. Doesn't care. So, and and more and more of our customers in the rest of the world say, you know what, that's okay. We now get to see who people really are at home. And we kind of get a different perspective of who the whole person is. So I think that is actually a positive, as nervous as that might make us at times that we have to show up and be so uptight and so, you know, uh, restructured and everything must be perfect. The fact is everyone's figuring this out. And I love for myself seeing my employees and leaders when their team, their family comes on, because I get to see a little bit of them and I get to see them let their hair down and customers alike. We're all figuring this out. So I, I do think there is, you know, a challenge, but there's also an opportunity of being inclusive, being intentional and, and making sure that people bring more than we do these calls with more than just let's talk about the business. Let's have a time to check in. One of the best practices that I try to do and I've used in, in the past is before we start a call, you know, like you running a business, there's a set of metrics and I have you know, financial accountability to the business. But what I would start a meeting off with is just a two word check in, check in what's happening. Why are you feeling in the moment? And, you know, you get people say, I'm, I'm happy, I'm excited. And some people say, I'm nervous, I'm anxious. Well, what's going on? And so getting people to sort of to connect on a different level beyond just we're here to run the business, because we get that. But connecting with people on a whole nother level, I think this has actually opened up to create foster more inclusion, more intentional engagement amongst all the employees and, and our teams, and also addresses this, the fact that we don't get to see each other. Um, I've not met one person on my team that works in my organization um, but I feel like I know them. I know their kids because I get to see them. I know who's playing soccer. I know who has a tournament. I know who's planning a surprise party for their their parents. And we would not in the you know in the old way probably have gotten to this point this fast just because we would have been on train, planes, and automobiles. So as much as the challenge it is for women, I think companies can be much more intentional in being inclusive and being intentional about engaging all communities to make sure that everything's on a level playing field. 
Oh my gosh, that is that is so fantastic. Um, I was actually just thinking, you know, because I, it's what you're. I think what you're describing is kind of the organic conversations that happen when you can spend time together, but kind of really prioritizing those things like, you know, let's check in with you. Um, we do this on our ELT calls where we say, you know, from a cultural standpoint, a professional standpoint, a personal standpoint, you know, where are you? You ought to, you know, check a check plus or check minus. And do you have any color you want to add to that, right? Just so that we are all, you know, feeling, um, you know, connected to each other and kind of knowing if someone's going through a hard time. So I think that is outstanding advice. And I, I really do love um, the concept of, making this kind of organic conversation more intentional and getting to know the whole person because it'll just make such a big difference from that inclusive standpoint going forward. Um, so and with that, you know, I mean, we've really covered a lot of ground here, LaShonda. I just want to know, like, if is there is there a topic or um, anything that you wanted to bring up before we close um, or a message or takeaway or call to action or anything like that that you'd like to, you know, kind of, um, you know, lay out there for our audience? Um, the only thing I would say, um, Nancy, is one, you know, we, we need all, um, but especially our women to be um, in a place where they know that there's opportunity. We need, especially our younger, earlier in career talent, we need them in the marketplace. We need them starting businesses. We need them leading businesses. We need them challenging businesses. And we need our men, our peers, our counterparts to really make sure that they are, you know, continue to be more thoughtful. And really be more inclusive. And I look at this from an aspect of being a mom. And I know some of the leaders on my team, they look and say, you know, I've got daughters. I, I want to make sure that they feel like they can reach the stars and the moon. Um, and to do that, we have to be more intentional. We all have biases. So let's just make sure we acknowledge. And some of us have unbi uh, unconscious biases. And so making sure that you, as a leader, that you're acknowledging um, that there may be times where you're not as aware as you want to be. Ask the question. Leave it, leave the organization, um, in a place where they feel comfortable to be transparent. We can have open conversations about tough, tough, maybe topics, but the women in the organization need to be supported and they also need to know that the leadership is, we actually want them to stick around and we need them. And we have, we have a place for them to bring their whole selves, the mom, the wife, the sister. We play so many roles. Um, but really make sure that we are opening up opportunities for them to continue to be their very best so we can bring our best to work every day. That is a fantastic um, advice to close with. And I so appreciate you coming on Breaking Glass and, and sharing your wisdom with us, LaShonda. You bet. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And I can't wait to hear the next session, the next speaker. So I appreciate this opportunity, Nancy. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be exciting. So awesome meeting you virtually, and I hope someday to meet you in person.